0: Oh, and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nikki, and I'm joined, as always, by the man who thinks that podcasts are just a fad, like they basically roll us our platform boots, eh? It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? I'm very well, very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah. It's the first time I've actually seen you know. properly. Um, yeah. Since New Year, obviously I, I'd, we've exchanged messages and stuff, but uh, it's the first time I've actually seen you. How
1: are you? How was your uh, festive period and New Year? It was good. It was good. We were supposed to uh, have a catch up with our mutual friend i think it was supposed to be on new year's eve mm. but he was uh he was at home with a tampon a peach nostril and uh he yeah. wasn't able to he wasn't feeling well wasn't able to join us i know
0: i thought he was calendar material when i saw those photos <laughs> but obviously not but yeah he was he was a bit worse for wear jesus what a big um i was about to say something i, I can't really say uh, what a big um um jesse I'd, um <laughs> Jesse is yeah. fine. I think yeah. that's allowed. Yes. Um. What a big Jesse going to bed uh, on New Year's Eve but, on Hogmanay, and uh, what a shame.
1: But the thing is, I mean, I've never had a cold where my nose is, <laughs> where my nose is running so much that I've had to like plug up both nostrils. I mean, that, surely that's no. If you've got gallons of snorters pouring out of your head, not like for a cold.
0: Yeah, I've I've genuinely never seen that. Like if you if you're bunged up you're bunged up that's where the expression comes from yeah. but yeah he literally had as you said it was like two tampacks up his nose <laughs> yeah. and it just looked like something out of the Beano or the <laughs> no. brunes and it was insane like something like grandpa bruin would uh, have to alleviate his cold before he has a hot toddy and goes and smashes some old woman at the bowling club but <laughs> it, it was insane the, the yeah, that mm, photo. Dope. But never mind. Uh, yeah, well, we're supposed to have a catch up, but obviously we couldn't manage because he had a bit of a cold. Yeah. But never mind. But yeah, so uh, festive period and uh, New Year all over now. So we're banging 2023, aren't
1: we? Yep, it's a distant memory. The uh, festive frivolities it feels like a it feels like a lifetime ago because it's been a busy two weeks. Of
0: the new year. Yeah, certainly has been. So Christmas tree's all down. Although I've still seen some of our neighbours have still got their Christmas tree up. And we are recording this on the 14th of January. Yeah. And they still have their fucking tree up. It's insane. Just,
1: I mean, it's in- absolutely insane. Unacceptable. Entire. Ours
0: came down on the second of January. <laughs> that was the, came, the day it
1: came down. Ours came down on the first of January because we were all <laughs> we were all back to work and school on the second because it's not a holiday here. The second it was mm-hmm. like it was, a, it was the second was the Monday, so we were straight back into it, and neither of us could be out could be arsed. Well, we knew we wouldn't be able. We knew we wouldn't be arsed to take it down after work because you know it's a long day. We're up at six. We're not back home again until like five, and then by time for dinner yeah. and you know and sort of got ready for the next day the last thing you want to do is start fucking about the christmas tree. so um we took it down on the on the sunday okay <laughs> put it away um until next year the christmas ducks lasted a bit longer but that was only because we couldn't find the box that they <laughs> we couldn't find the box that they came in but yeah but everything's everything's away now so
0: yeah i think the only thing we've got left is we've um we do have christmas toys for our dog oh yes uh so it's like a turkey and a santa and a, a reindeer pool toy and they do go in the christmas box but we weren't able to put them in because he was there all the time and he would he, he would notice if mm-hmm. we're putting them away oh, so yeah. um and he's going to daycare next week so um for the day so we'll we'll have to put them in the
1: christmas box when he's not here
0: <laughs> and he'll won't notice you'll be fine you'll forget about
1: it yeah
0: but oh, yeah, Christmas is all over,
1: would, never mind. It's the, the, it's the most wonderful time of the year for him on the 2nd sort of, and 3rd of January when he gets to go and have a, a sniff of all the Christmas trees on the pavements that have been chucked out and take a piss on them and stuff and make sure everybody knows that they're his.
0: Genuinely his favourite time of the year, I think. And because, I, I think I said in the... It, maybe the christmas episode yeah. um yeah people just chuck their trees in the street and yeah he's been having a riot the last week or so just <laughs> wandering around pissing on all these trees <laughs> sniffing them oh it, he's having the time of his life very good okay well shall we have a look at what's been going on in scotland over the last couple of weeks since we've been away because we've we had a little bit of time off yeah. uh, haven't we greg we had the little best of the news special out. i hope you enjoyed that folks but i think we need to get on to the most recent news in Scotland don't
1: we Cue <laughs> uh, cure the jingle hello this is the outer hebrides broadcasting corporation
0: and here is what's been going on in the news okay greg so what have you seen in the last couple of weeks in Scotland that has caught your eye and you want to share with me and our lovely listeners
1: uh wait I got this one, my first one out of the Scottish Sun uh on the fifth of January. The headline says Flood Defence. I built a wall of dung to stop my house flooding. My neighbours were raging, but I did what I had to do. This is Tommy Cannon. And the reason oh. another yeah I know, right? Another reason that <laughs> caught my eye is because uh, the legendary uh, half of the legendary double act Cannon and Ball uh, liked one of our pictures on Instagram last week. Uh, but, yeah, so we're going to be dining out on that for a while. This is a different Tommy Cannon. Uh, he was forced to take desperate measures when a stream burst its banks and sent water rushing down his street. Uh, he claimed he was cut off from the rest of the town, so he had no way of getting to the sandbags that had been laid on by the authorities. Instead, he stuck with what he knows and turned to a stock of trusty manure he had sitting at work to barricade his drive in Dunfries. In a video, Tommy laughs and says, You know you're a farmer when you're using dung as flood defence. He added, It was what I had to do to save my house. It was the only thing I had to block the road. We had a really heavy downpour and within an hour I could see water swelling up around my house and my garage starting to flood. If I hadn't done this... My house would definitely have flooded. The viral clip shows Tommy using a digger to heap to piles of the brown stuff in front of his house. He said the dung is stored away on his farm in a spot with proper drainage, so it only took him about 5 minutes to get to it, um, and it was his only option as he was hit with about 4 inches of rain in 12 hours on December the 30th. But the unusual method caused a stink with some locals. <laughs> <laughs> Boomch. Uh, who feared it could contaminate water supplies. One who claimed he was a farmer called Dan said, What a cunt. <laughs> <It> seems. <laughs> Straight to the chase, Dan. Yeah. Still no messing about. It's. Uh... <laughs> Seems a bit harsh, there, Dan. He he goes on to say, then that then this guy questions why the Environment Agency is pounding the door. It's idiots like this that make so much red tape for everybody else. Another agreed and said, "Surprise the the Environment Agency. I mean, who are the Environment Agency? (laughs) Surprise the Environment (laughs) Agency." hasn't been on to them for contamination of water. But other people uh, took a more lighthearted view of it. One guy said, that flood defence is a load of shite. Um, can't really argue with that. Um, Tommy said, there was such a torrent of water that there was no danger of the dung causing problems elsewhere. But to be on the safe side, he went out and cleared it all the way the following morning and took the photos to prove it. He added, I cleaned everything up. I realise there's a lot of people who will say it's irresponsible, but with the amount of water going down the road, it would have been well dang Diluted, and nobody would notice a thing. (laughs) (laughs) You dilute shit when they're brushing their teeth and talk with. With Tommy's dung, um, yeah. So that's the first. That's that's the first. Um, my first story this week. I know they have had some pretty uh, extreme weather in Scotland over Christmas and New Year. I think it's been raining. It's been very cold. Um, but yeah, this uh, this made me laugh. There, Tommy's ingenuity. I,
0: I didn't want to interrupt you, but um, when you mentioned the environmental agency, um, it just reminded me of Walter Peck from <laughs> yeah. who is is with the Environmental Protection Agency. <laughs> Uh, so were they expecting Walter Peck to turn <laughs> yeah. up and see what's going on? I mean, so what? He's, he's had to stop his house from flooding, yeah. basically, or area from flooding. So he's got the first thing to hand, which happens to be a pile of shite. <laughs> yeah. And... He's yeah, but I, I did love that. He kicked up a stink. Yep. It's I mean that's going to smell, especially when it's oh. wet as well. It's it's not oh, it's horrible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
1: but I suppose I mean if it's between that and your worldly possessions floating about in your front bedroom, you're going to do what you need to do, right? Tommy did what he had to do. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Tommy Tommy Cannon did what he had <laughs> to do. It it reminded me this week that I there was a a clip going round of um the Chase, the popular ITV yep. TV mm-hmm. show. And it was a a question that was posed to the governess and it was which scottish football team plays at a stadium with the name meaning Dung heap? Mm. Uh obviously we know the answer to that it's it's aberdeen mm. my my beloved aberdeen which it, our stadium is called Patodry, which literally translates in gaelic to Dung heap. <laughs> but um she chose the rangers which um <laughs> didn't go down well with a lot of uh, the rangers fans a lot of the <laughs> the rangers fans um well, you know, Same, we're playing a shit hole or something. But uh, no, whereas we're proud of that, we do play in a shithole it's Yeah, you know, dung heap. But yeah, the word dung—you don't get enough dung nowadays, uh, do you?
1: You don't hear that. You don't. I think it's, um, I think it's the sort of family-friendly uh, word that the that the um, that the, the son can use. Um,
0: and I, I would say fair play to the what was the the name of the the person the first person that called him out and just called him a cunt. Uh, Dan. <laughs> Dan, Dan, uh, Dan the farmer, apparently. <laughs> okay, so Dan's a farmer, so you would think he deals with dung
1: every day, well, he, and probably a lot worse. He claims to be a farmer. Like the the the, the article is very quick to point out that Dan, who claims to be a farmer, <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. so are we saying that Dan maybe isn't a farmer? Oh. Are you saying that he's maybe on an insurance fiddle or <laughs> he's he's on the getting his gyro or something, <laughs> but claims to be a farmer or something? Well,
1: maybe who knows? Um, or maybe he's just trying to. He wants to be taken seriously, and um, but I would say that if, if you want to be taken seriously, maybe don't open by calling the person you're arguing with a cunt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe just farmer terminology, correct? Yeah. yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe claims to be a farmer and he claims that the this other person's a cunt.
1: <laughs> yeah, so when we were talking there about the, the Rangers fans getting upset about the chase, I had to look up, I, I looked up to see what Ibrox means, and Ibrox means badger's den. So, oh. there you go. How funny then that they, I mean, they call it the bear's den
0: because obviously they say they're bears, mm. but I guess as badger is maybe not as fierce or as kind of as, as big standing, you know, <laughs> we are the badgers. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, I just think of bodger and badger. Right? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, badgers are notoriously bad tempered, so maybe. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, you know. And they love mashed potato as well. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. <laughs> <laughs> That's how the song went Everybody knows Badgers love Mashed potato (laughs) Um, I I, I wonder if it's too late Because we're actually Playing the Rangers tomorrow At Aberdeen um, I wonder if it's too late To get a a Mashed potato chant On the (laughs) go But probably too late (laughs) No one would understand it Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah So there you go well, that, that's my first story Tom, for the, Mr. Tommy Cannon, not that one, of Dunfries. Um What's your first story of this week? Oh, my first story is concerning
0: uh, Eddie Large, Greg, oh, yeah. um, from Little Large <laughs> No, it's not. Of, it. of course not. That's that's the dream. Oh, no, Eddie's dead, isn't he? I believe he is. Sid's still alive, isn't he? Or Sid died as well? I don't know. Okay, well, we we can fact check that later (laughs) on. Um, So, my uh, first story comes from the Scottish Sun this week, and the headline is Brow Blast. (laughs) I popped into my local shop and had my eyebrows blown off in a freak (laughs) explosion. It was like something out of casualty. So, I had a lucky escape, Greg, because I was in this shop. Oh, you were the last time we were back in Aberdeen, right? Uh, So, a mum has told how she nipped into her corner shop and had her eyebrows blown off in a freak explosion. (laughs) Pam Milne, fifty-five, said she was hit by a blast that filled her local Nisa store in Aberdeen with smoke and this photo is a Pam. to be fair our eyebrows are still there but they do look a little bit singed <laughs> to be fair yeah you know like when you uh, we used to smoke and you would maybe catch your finger hair yeah and your kind of knuckle uh, with a cigarette and it would be singed it, yeah. it looks exactly like that in our eyebrows <laughs> right. so. So. Shame for poor Pam. So
1: it's just not, gone, not quite the full Robocop then, no? No, not the
0: full <laughs> Robocop. Okay. So poor Pam was forced to flee with two other punters. I don't know why they're punters. They're in a local shop. It's not a bookie's. Um, and was left with a burnt face and no eyebrows. It's understood a window at the shop in the Garth D area. And when I say Garth D, this is literally um, when uh, I got dropped off by a mutual friend. This shop is literally on the end of the road of the crematorium. Where my mum right.
1: lives? I
0: don't know. <laughs> uh, well, my mum's ashes are scattered. <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's literally at the end of that road, and I was in it when um, when uh, I went to go and visit her when I was back in Aberdeen. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's understood that uh, a window at the shop in Garthie was blown out and its electric short circuited. Mm. Pam said, It's the last thing I expected <laughs> to happen. <laughs> I, I only went in there to post a letter. I was at the front of the queue, and then there was a blast and a burst of flames. I was scared and pretty shaken up. It was like something at a casualty. Um, it's understood that the worker who was manning the till had their hair burnt in the terrifying incident on Tuesday afternoon. Everyone cleared out the shop. No surprise <laughs> yeah. there, i imagine you would. Yeah. And uh, waited outside for the emergency service, uh, the emergency services to arrive. Pam was checked over by paramedics, but didn't have to go to hospital although she struggled to get over what happened. She said, I was burnt and sore for hours. I felt like I'd been under a sunlamp for too long. <laughs> That's someone from Aberdeen, isn't it? Yeah. I felt like I'd been, I got sunburnt. i have been under a sunlamp for too long. <laughs> it was pretty scary and I struggled to sleep that night. It was bad, but I suppose it could have been worse. <laughs> it won't put me off going back to the shop, though it's happened now that's a <laughs> fucking great attitude yeah, yeah. Uh, the blast was blamed on a small gas cylinder uh, thought to belong to a heater that was behind the counter right. staff reopened the shop but then it was shut down again the following morning uh, one team member said we're more or less back to normal but we're closing for an electrician to come in and do some work uh, cops said they were made aware of the incident and assisted an ambulance teams and firefighters at the scene um, they said that operations control mobilized two fire appliances and firefighters assisted. Assisted emergency services. One casualty was in the care of the Scottish Ambulance Service and crews were left uh, after ensuring the area was safe. So I mean, as Pam says, that's the last thing I expected to happen. <laughs> yeah. She goes into a shop to post a letter and she gets a fucking gas explosion. <laughs> in her face. <laughs> yeah. I, as I say, hopefully her eyebrows will grow back. They just look
1: a bit singed. They don't look too drastic.
0: But yeah. have you ever been in a shop or anything and uh an explosion's <laughs> happened or No,
1: no, but um fun- funny enough, this week I was I've been away in Kuwait this week for work. And uh I was staying at a Hilton. I was having my breakfast and it's, you know, it's the usual sort of hotel fare, kind of hot buffet with toast and things. And you've got to toast your own bread in those mm. like conveyor toasters. And oh, you know, yeah. whack it in <laughs> at the top, you go and get yourself a <laughs> cup of tea, you come back and ho- if you've timed it right, your toast is gliding out at the bottom. So I was, I was on, um, <laughs> I was on a, I was on a Microsoft uh, Teams call uh, while I was having my breakfast. And there's like signs. Every hotel that I go to in the Middle East, there's a sign that says, Only put sliced bread through the toaster. Right? It's in English. <laughs> it's in English and it's in and it's in Arabic. So uh, someone putting a whole loaf through the toaster. <laughs> uh, somebody had put through a couple of rolls, but the, the weird thing was they hadn't like even sli- they sliced the rolls, they just sort of chucked them in. So of course okay. they got they were stuck at the top. So I'm sitting <laughs> in the top shelf. So I'm sitting. Watch. I'm sitting on this. am on this call, and the, the fucking toaster setting fire. Well, the rolls inside the toaster setting fire. No one's noticed apart from me. The guy who 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 put them in there is fucking wandering around filling his plate up with whatever, like hummus and chicken sausage and all the you. <laughs> <laughs> the usual shite that you get in a hotel breakfast in the Middle East, and just completely, obli- completely oblivious. And so I, I alerted uh, the waitress, and then um, she went over and sorted it out. But the guy, the guy didn't give a fuck. Do you know what I mean? Guy, if if I'd done something like that, I would be full of contrition. I like, I'm so sorry. I'm such an idiot. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Just like just got himself another couple of rolls and just stuck them on his plate instead of toasting them. (laughs) Fucking arsehole.
0: Was he Glaswegian and wanted a a well-fired (laughs) roll? Or
1: was he just Um, haphazard? I suspect he was from this part of the world without profiling too much. Um,
0: (laughs) Funnily enough, I do remember when I lived in Dubai and I had a local pub I used to go to. I don't know if you've ever been there. Where my sister and brother-in-law used to live, um, Alman Taza, there was a a pub in this compound I don't know how it existed but it did yeah, and yeah, it was a fucking lovely little local boozer and I used to go there uh, every night basically when I finished work I would nip in for a couple of pints and there was two guys I would always kind of sit and drink with one was a Dutch guy actually and the other guy was an English and we're sitting just drinking pints one night and then all of a sudden like all this smoke came pouring out the kitchen and the kitchen was on fire and right. it was like a massive fire <laughs> so these two guys I mean to be fair I still consider myself as like not really an adult but yeah. I mean, it would have been 28, 29 at the time <laughs> They were, you know, in their 30s and I think 50s, respectively. They just, like, bombed into the kitchen and they were genuinely, like, on the floor with, like, towels around their face and fire extinguishers putting out the fire. Right. And I just sat at the bar drinking (laughs) a pint. (laughs) Having a fag. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, they had to close the, the place. And I was quite upset. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I had to
1: evacuate, you know. I can, I can tell you that it's still closed because um, uh, my daughter's friend lives down in Almontaza. And uh, hmm. the, the pub's been closed for a, a, a good few years. Apparently they can't find anybody oh. who's willing to take it on. So, oh, that'd be a great business
0: opportunity. It was about gold mine that place. Mm. Honestly, fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, that's the only time I've really been in an establishment that's um, yeah. not had an explosion but gone on fire. But never mind. I mean, I, I hope Pam's eyebrows grow back quickly. And she's not too traumatized. I mean, she did say she'll go back to the shop. So you know, it's yeah.
1: fine. Really, she'll yeah. be okay. She'll be good. Yeah, she's she's we'll go back. Clearly, a salt of the salt of the earth Aberdeen wifey who yeah. just takes these sort of things in her stride. You know. I just—I don't know if she managed to get her letter posted, though. Well, that was yeah. the, the
0: question because she went in there to post a letter, but yeah. after the blast, I don't know if she managed to post it. So, um, Pam, if you're listening, get in touch. Mm. Um, okay, <laughs> that's my—that's uh, my first explosive story this week. Uh, what is your second story? that you want to tell us about
1: so my second story and i'm not uh I'll, I'll, hopefully this won't trigger anybody right but this is about this is about the fugitive nicholas rossi who has been in the papers quite a lot over the last few months he's um mm. he's wanted in america over uh sex crime allegations and um, but he's been detained in scotland at the moment and he's told uh he's Told about how he's being bullied because uh, by Scots prisoners because the American authorities are trying to extradite him back to the US to like, be tried for his crimes or his alleged crimes. Um, but at the moment, he's in Soughton prison in Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> and he, Good luck, he, he claims he's being intimidated because the Scots prisoners keep, keep singing. To him Leaving On a jet plane (laughs) By John Denver Um, So he's currently on remand At the jail uh, While the American authorities Are are, are trying to get him back Um, He 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 um he he obviously he 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 denies uh, these sexual assault allegations. He also denies that his name's Nicholas Rossi. He reckons he yeah. reckons that his name he reckons that his name's Arthur Knight um with a K. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Um but today he told he told Edinburgh, Edinburgh Shed of Court that he's fallen victim to bullying and he told the court that, <laughs> he's told the court that inmates insist insist on singing Leaving on a checkpoint <laughs> whenever they see him. Um uh, asking <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking Sheriff McFadden for bail, Rossi said, "I've been treated incredibly. I've been treated incredibly terribly. My wife is afraid to enter the prison. I've been treated terribly. I've been bullied on a daily basis. I've kept in my cell twenty four hours a day. This includes singing of the song, <laughs> 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 even on a jet plane by John Denver." Um, <laughs> Rossi. Rossi has also accused prison chiefs of the masterful sabotage of his relationship with his eighth set of lawyers during the hearing. He said his legal team no longer represented him in his battle to avoid extradition to America. Edinburgh Sheriff Court heard how his lawyers withdrew From acting for him, after staff at the city's saw in prison, allegedly told them he wouldn't attend meetings to discuss his defence, but today Rossi told the court this was a lie, and he was able to meet with his solicitor, Andrew eh, Andrew? Andrew Doherty, and advocate Mungo Bovey. That's a name and a half, isn't it? Mungo Hmm. Bovey, KC. In the summertime,
0: <laughs> when the weather
1: is fine. Yeah, I wonder if he did a cover of Leaving the Jet Plane. Um, he said he said he was now going to represent himself in his extradition case, and that he was saddened by the lawyer's decision to stop acting for him. But not as sad as he gets when the prisoners sing, Leave <laughs> 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 I just added that little, that last little bit in myself. Um, uh, yeah, so that's him. That's old... Uh, Nicholas Rossi, or Arthur Knight, or whatever he's calling himself this week. Um, but it just made me laugh a lot.
0: It's difficult enough to get a chance started at a football match. How do you do it in prison? Like, you've got to rely on a lot of the other prisoners knowing that John Denver song. <laughs> <laughs> to be able to sing along to it. I mean, fucking masterstroke from the inmates at saw in prison. i take my hat off to you if I was wearing one right now. I... I remember reading this case, this Nicholas Rossi case, and we won't go into it too much because obviously we're not that kind of podcast. Yeah. Like, we, we don't go into, you know, uh, stuff like that. But I do remember reading originally when this was happening and just being like, are you taking the fucking piss, <laughs> yeah. mate? Like, it's, it's, it's obviously you. <laughs> Like it, it, apparently the the guy Nicholas Rossi has like a couple of distinctive tattoos and he's like refusing
1: to show or oh, something. He he, I, I, he, he, I he kinda... claimed that he was in a coma uh, as a result of COVID and when he was in a com when he was in a coma, <laughs> someone put these tattoos on him. <laughs> That's what oh,
0: Yeah, I mean that is the fucking worst like case of oh my dog ate my homework or I was pissed and I can't remember it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, what a defense. Obviously it's. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, the fact he's in jail, obviously, great, because it is obviously fucking him. But I'd, I'd love the fucking never underestimate <laughs> Scottish people, especially
1: in jail.
0: That is fucking amazing.
1: I tell you, if he ends up in one of those uh, American uh, prisons, he might, he might long for the days when all they had to worry about was guys singing John Denver songs to him when they passed him. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm genuinely surprised at how um creative they are, though. I thought it would just be like a you know na <laughs> na 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 cheerio cheerio cheerie cheerio. But to come up with a creativity, someone whoever came up with that has got to be delighted yeah. that the whole prison is singing that. Like they're going to be like this. I, I bet next time they get a visitor, they're going to be telling them, oh, whole prison singing my fucking song, eh? <laughs> oh, I started singing John Denver one night, and eh? They're all doing it now, eh? <laughs> Fucking magic, well,
1: anyway. Yeah, well... Fucking I brilliant. Can, I, can, I mean, I, I would imagine that it, it, there's quite a lot of downtime in prison, so... Do you know what I mean? It's like... You know... Yeah, That's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, yeah. What? yeah.
0: They'll be sitting scrolling through Spotify uh, on their phones and coming up with... Uh, well, yeah. Humorous songs. What to other sing? songs
1: could they sing to him to annoy him that are that, that are in the, that, that are a bit in the same sort of vein? Um, hmm, I wish I thought of this before.
0: Yeah, you kind of put yeah. us on the spot here.
1: I don't know. Uh, so what? It's about basically it's going. Wait, right, it's been has been, it's been so. extradited. I, well, which obviously nobody is extradited. Nobody wants to be extradited. So you know what I mean. So do we know where he's being extradited let's to? See, there was there was quite a big article because um, it, 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 it it kind of moved away from um, from the hilarious uh, bullying by the um, the prisoners of yeah no, I don't think. It just says America. Okay, so it's not a you could sing, like, Sweet Home Alabama <laughs> or something. No, or unfortunate. Or, or All Gone to Look For... Uh, America by Simon and Garfunkel, you could sing that. All Gone to Look For yeah. America. It isn't, yeah, it doesn't say. Um, it doesn't say. Um, America by Razorlight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, American Pie. I don't know. Bye-bye, um... bye, Miss American Pie. Yeah, that would be quite funny, because he is a bit <laughs> fat. So be quite... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if, you, if you're a prisoner in Salton and he's still there and you listen to the podcast, maybe just sing just sing the chorus of American Pie to him just to mix it up a bit. You know,
0: is it wrong that I would fucking love it if we had listeners in Salton <laughs> <Yeah>. prison? <laughs> I'd be delighted with that actually. Yeah, yeah. If you are listening, then let us know. Because um, if you're listening, you've obviously got a mobile device. So give us an email, cultureswally at
1: gmail.com Yeah. yeah. And tell
0: us what else you're doing too. Just make sure you just make you, sh- uh, just make sure you
1: you bottle up your mobile when you're finished, isn't it? Yeah. Bottle it up. <laughs> Are you,
0: bottle up? Are you putting the brakes on his wheelchair on and leaving him in the shower block or something? And, uh...
1: Oh dear. Anyway, so that's. <sighs> Fucking Nicholas Rossi. What a twat. Um, Right. What's your next story?
0: Well, my next story, Greg, is from Edinburgh Live this week. And it is about an Edinburgh tourist who is baffled as he tries iconic Scottish foods whilst visiting the capital. Now, the main reason I've picked this story is because I just want to see your reaction to this tourist's scoring system on the foods he's tried and some of his comments, obviously. So, it's a Mexican tourist who has been visiting Edinburgh and he's been left baffled by trying several iconic Scottish foods. The first iconic food that he tried was Iron Brew. But despite not being sure if he liked the taste, he could not work out what flavour the popular orange colored drink
1: was.
0: Mm, the so, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, documenting his experience, the tourist uh, and his friend rate each thing that they try and attempt to describe the flavors. So, first, his friend uh, asks him, How do you find the iron brew? And he replies, Not bad. I cannot find the proper flavor. It tastes like orange, <laughs> but it's not orange, but it tastes fine. Right. I don't really like it, but it's not bad. Now, if, can I just ask? I'm going to ask this first. If you were to say this, like, I don't really like it, but it's not bad. What would you give it out 10?
1: Uh, I don't know. Five? Four?
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's fair enough, yeah. yeah. Uh, he gives it a nine out of 10. Right. Which maybe, I, I don't know, he's Mexican. Maybe he doesn't understand numbers uh, <laughs> in English. I don't know. Uh, so moving on, um, the person filming him asks about one of the most important parts of a Scottish breakfast. How did you find that potato scone? Um... I think it's just average taste. Like, I'm not really <laughs> impressed. I'm not impressed. It's seven out of 10. Uh, you know, it's, it's seven out of 10. That's quite high. Uh, she then says, How did you find the black pudding? He observes, It's like beans. It tastes like beans. Oh, I don't know if I like it. It's okay. It's a six out of 10. <laughs> Finally, he tries haggis, which also baffles him. Right. He says, it's like, it's nice, but I think it's got something to do with sheep inside. <laughs> uh, his friend then says, what would you rate it? And he goes, mm, it's not bad, but I'm intrigued. 8 out of (laughs) 10. His scoring system is all over the fucking place. Uh, The clip has been viewed by over 15,000 people with likes and dozens of comments from Scottish folk weighing in on the hilarious clip. One social media user joked, I'm Scottish and I still can't describe the taste of (laughs) Iron Brew. Another said, I'd rate the black pudding uncooked. That's what it looks like. And... (laughs) Final person says you need to get him a fish supper or a pizza crunchy out of a chip shop. So that is um his scoring system was just all over the place. I mean, like I don't really like it. I'll give it nine out of ten. What what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, that's uh what our Mexican tourists thought of our scottish delicacies i mean so iron brew haggis tatty scone what else you know is there anything else you would recommend you could try
1: square sausage white pudding mm. white pudding yeah stovies well you
0: try black pudding yeah stovies stovies yeah of course stovies yeah, yeah. that would
1: be a good Show yeah. uh scurly. Mm. Yeah. hundreds of stuff yeah hundreds of stuff you could try you could try some buck fast but well, it's not it's strictly speaking it's not made in scotland but um Still, uh, no, but for some reason, it's certainly associated. Certainly very popular there. If you were to describe the
0: flavour of Iron Brew, I, I know you said it just tastes like Iron Brew, yeah. but you can't describe it really.
1: Not really, no, Because I mean, I've been drinking it for like over forty years, and it's it doesn't it doesn't taste like anything else. Like it, no. uh, you know. There is like a lot of uh, fizzy drinks in the, that are around now. There is a lot that have come and gone over the years, like. Mm. Tab. Remember I knew you were going to say tab. Yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> for one. Um, yeah, but there's loads of different ones that have come and gone over the years, and 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 nothing really tastes like I. And e- even like Iron Brew Copy. You know, like you know, like I remember. I think Virgin did. Remember, remember, there was Virgin Coke and all that for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know. I didn't remember they did, a, they did an Iron Brew ripoff. Did they? They did. They did, and they called it. They called it Iron Brew, but they spelled it like I R O N B R E W and on the and there was there was a picture of the fourth Rail Bridge on the bottle as well. Oh, ah, okay. So, but it but it, yeah. it didn't taste like like it, it didn't taste like the real thing, you know what I mean? The closest I could kind of
0: I remember reading this or hearing it somewhere and I thought, yeah, that's quite an accurate description, but it's not really is um it's like bubblegum mm. in a way, but it's not but it kind of makes sense. I don't know. Iron brew is just its own unique taste. Yeah. And it's just iconic and wonderful. And I, I'm so glad it's in our lives.
1: Yeah, me too. And I'm really looking forward to going home. Uh, we're, just, we're talking before we started recording. I've not been in Scotland since February last year. Uh, no, since May. Tell a lie, May. Well. That was a way to yeah, say, yeah, I yeah. saw you in May. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, it has been. It feels like a long time since I was there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having a glass of the 1910 recipe iron mm. brew out of a glass bottle assuming that it's still available um no, i'm sure it is yeah yeah and maybe uh and maybe like a full scottish breakfast to get my mum to make me one.
0: Oh, you have a tatty scone Tatties, and square, black
1: pudding and square sausage
0: and square sausage yeah. can't have that it gives my heartburn yeah <laughs> have you seen anything else this week greg Let's your
1: well, the only other quick thing that I've seen. Um, so for the last few years, Edinburgh Zoo has had some uh, special exotic guests in the shape of Yang Wang and uh, Tan Tang Tang Tang, the um, Chinese Chinese pandas. Um, but their their trip is coming to an end. Yeah, I think they were hoping um, to. Oh, the Edinburgh Zoo staff called them Sunshine and Sweetie. So that's that's better. It's easier to say. Uh, their, well, that's their time has come to an end in Edinburgh. I think they were hoping that they would uh, make little baby pandas when they were staying um, in Edinburgh, but unfortunately, they haven't. Maybe it's too cold for sunshine. <laughs> sure. But so you can go to say goodbye to uh, sunshine and sweetie if you're a panda fan. But it's going to cost you five thousand pounds. For the privilege, what five grand you can so it basically it five grand will get you and uh, a guest. Um, you get to feed one of the pandas, and you have a champagne lunch. Um, I assume the pandas won't be there for that. You get a luxury, you get a, you also get a luxury breakfast as well. Um, oh, lovely! That's worth it then. You get to you get to feed. It's, it says you get to feed one of the pandas. I mean, I think for five grand, you should get to feed both of them. John. <laughs> for five grand I'd expect you get to have fucking sex holding the pandas (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah five grand to go and see the pandas off I mean um, would you probably I mean, is there, there like, an animal that you would like to have an encounter with? Like, I mean, I'm not saying one that you would pay five grand to have an encounter, but an animal that you've always sort of admired that you would like to have an encounter with in the wild or something like that.
0: I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe um, I'd like to have a cup of tea with a chimpanzee, maybe, (laughs) like...
1: Yeah, I, PG tips advert. Or... I used to want that was like a real dream of mine for a long time was to have a sort of chimpanzee experience. But then I read a story a few years ago about a woman in Paris and a chimpanzee mm. ripped her face off. And I'm not, yeah. and I I don't mean like scratched her up. I mean ripped her face off. <laughs> So, um, but I, I I wouldn't mind kind of gorilla experience, you know, just being around the gorillas.
0: I tell you what, I would like actually, and it's no, it's not to be stereotyp- stereotypical or a trope or anything, but I would love um, a Highland Coup. Oh just yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just to have a little chat and a pet yeah. island cow, which is quite achievable mm-hmm. if we're back in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we could just nip into a field and yeah. pet a Highland cow. But yeah, that'd be pretty
1: cool. Yeah, I know where I know where there's some Highland cows outside of Aberdeen, um, near yeah. near the village of Longside, which is near Peterhead. There's a field with Highland cows there. So. Well, I think
0: that's about it. I can't think of any other animal I would like to kind of have an experience or interact with. Mm. I've never been one for like I wanna go swimming with dolphins
1: or no, I've done, sharks or I've done I've I've done the dolphin thing, it's in Mexico, it's overrated. And they fucking mm. and, and the thing they don't tell you about, about getting a pool with dolphins is that dolphins shit a lot. <laughs> so they do. And it's and it's like green sort of seaweedy sort of shite that they leave around you know so you know what you know they're getting that stuck to your body when you're when you're in the pool with the dolphins oh well never mind
0: well i wish the pandas all the best luck and Mm. i hope people pay five grand for the privilege to
1: say goodbye
0: Mm. to them um well my last thing greg uh, before we move on to what we're going to be talking about was just a quick story that i saw and it was the news that elgin might host the national tug of war championship wow so there's about 300 competitors expected to take part in this two-day event where they have a big tug of war so that led me to think if you were having a tug of war team right now i think tug of war i've I've googled this and it kind of varies between like six and eight competitors i'm going to limit this to five right so we're having a swally tug of war Mm -hmm. me against you right and we've got we need to pick, what do, you, what do you want to pick? Do you want to pick four or five people
1: to uh, have behind us in this tug of war? I'll pick four because I assume that I'll be, okay. the, I'll be in the team. That's zone. what I mean. Yeah, so yeah. it's
0: a team of five. Yeah. It's me against you, the swally tug of war. Okay. So I want you to pick your four tug of war teammates against my tug-of-war teammates so okay. do you want to go do you want to pick all your four or do you want to go
1: each around Let's yeah let's do that let's do that let's do one one each so we don't like okay. step over. all right i'll
0: let you go first then okay who's your who's your first pick on your tug-of-war team bear in mind we are both fucking massive weaklings so <laughs> we need to pick strong competitors so we need four strong men uh, or or women on our team obviously so okay. who's first pick in your tug of war team
1: so i feel like i'm going to want someone at the back who's got a kind of good center of gravity strong heavy It's um, going to sort of dig their heels in keep us uh keep us keep us going i think i would go for I think I'd probably pick Cosmo first Oh, good choice Yeah, Cosmo He's a good
0: choice, he was on my list I mean, he's in everything, so why wouldn't he be in a yeah. tug-of-war team?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly Stocky, strong, commanding
0: I thought, similar to you Um, You need someone big, mm-hmm. commanding mm-hmm. That's going to dig their heels in Yeah. So I went with Rab Affleck
1: <laughs> Of course, it's a great shout Yeah Yeah <laughs> Great shout, Rob Affleck Yeah, fucking hell. So
0: he's my first choice.
1: Okay, Um right. So the next then I'm going to probably want somebody who's a good sort of cheerleader who's going to have the respect of the rest of the team. Um You know, as you know even if we start to kind of lose a wee bit, he's you know, going to fire us up and get us to win the advantage back. And I. I I think Peter Mullen would be great at that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could hear him say, hey, come on, boys, we can beat these fuckers. Let's do it. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I think that's a good shite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd go with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, good. good. Um, My second choice would be former Scottish strongman, Big Tam, <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah. In his day, he was a strongman. He was, so he's yeah. a, And he was he tall, but also not slim, but, you know, like Rab Affleck's taking the back. Yeah, Big Tam was, he was a, a big unit, but he was also quite slender. Yep. So I think he would be, he'd be good just behind me tugging on the rope. So um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Sean Connery
1: as my second choice. Okay. Um, right. So one more person. No, one more. two more people. No, two I'm, more. Two, two more. more people. Okay. So I think I want, I'm going to want somebody heavy, I think. <laughs> so I am going to go for uh, the late, great Robbie Coltrane
0: great shout on my list as well mm. uh, it it uh, he was yeah um but obviously you can have him but yeah mm-hmm. great shout i think he would have been very good um okay so i need someone heavy as well can it not heavy in fact i don't need anyone heavy i i'm i'm all about the you
1: got you got the connery athlete combination there so
0: exactly i don't need anyone more heavy i'm gonna have uh, uh did i go with the action hero or no i'm gonna go with a wrestler i'm gonna go with wwe superstar drew mcintyre <laughs> he's a rangers fan so we might not get on but i think He's going to help me when it comes to the tug of war. So I'm going to have Drew McIntyre on my team.
1: Right, okay, Okay. right I, I'm going to need somebody I, I think because you've got You've got Connery on there We know that Connery was a mm. shag we, we know that Connery was a shagger, right? Um, <laughs> um And I suspect that Drew McIntyre also Got an eye for the ladies Or perhaps maybe he's married now But maybe in the past He did an eye for the ladies it, He's married now But yeah. in the
0: past I think he was He yeah. did have an eye for the ladies,
1: yes So I want I want somebody glamorous That's maybe going to put those guys Off their game Um um, I think I would go for the very lovely Marley Sue. Oh, I think she like okay, her, you know, attractive, smiley, good, good, good energy. I think you know, like I've seen Big Tam and you only live twice. I think he's uh, mm. he's going. To, he's the old eye, eyebrows going to raise a wee bit. He's going to be drawn over to Marley. She's going to put him off. Um, so yeah, Marley Sue. Okay, so we have. Greg,
0: James Cosmo, yeah. Peter Mullen, Robbie Coltrane, and Marley Sue yeah. versus <laughs> Nikki, <laughs> Rab Affleck, Sean Connery Drew McIntyre. And funnily enough, Greg, I have also gone with a lady right. with my final choice because we're not sexist in the culture. No, sport, right? no. I've picked Super Gran.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was, she was a serious granny, right <laughs> enough. <laughs> I think it's safe to say I've won the tug of yeah, war. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even, if, uh, even if Big Tam's over in, on my end chatting up Marley Sue, I think you probably still won. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Should I have said fictional characters were I mean, You could have had, uh, to be fair, you could have had Robbie Coltrane as Hagrid, and then yeah. maybe he would have won. Yeah. <laughs> I know,
1: don't, I know. Don't. That's a worry, I don't mind. I'm sure it was... Uh, ah. I'm sure it would have been a good contest, regardless of the winner. It certainly would have been.
0: Alright, okay. Well, uh, before we go on to what we're gonna be talking about today, let's have a little word from our sponsor.
1: No tartan.
0: No bagpipes. No Bonnie Prince Charlie. Strathmore. Oh!
1: It's Scottish enough.
0: Okay then, Greg. So, it was your choice on our first proper episode of 2023. So, why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about today to kick off the new year.
1: So, I'm going to take us back to 1998, uh, the year that um, Isles FM uh, first launched in the Outer Hebrides, the community radio show. Uh, the year that Scotland opened the World Cup in France uh, with a game against Brazil, which I never, never quite forgiven Tom Boyd for. And <laughs> in the year that BBC Scotland aired the four-part uh, 1980s set drama, Looking After Jojo. Um, so it stars Robert Carlyle. As I mentioned before, it's set in Edinburgh in the 1980s. Uh, Against the sort of rise of um, Heroin and AIDS uh, In the community uh, It was directed by John McKenzie uh, Who we have done a lot of John McKenzie stuff on The Swally We've, they, We did mm. way way back uh, Near the beginning we did uh, just, a, just a boys game we, uh, Just another Saturday uh, A sense of freedom uh, Yeah The list is long, so I hadn't really watched this since it came out on the television back in nineteen ninety eight. I have to say, I quite, I I, I quite enjoyed it, although it's not without its problems. (laughs) What, um, which we'll get into (laughs) later. What's your, what's your first memory of looking after Jojo?
0: I, I remember watching this when it first aired. Mm. Definitely, um, I think because it's like you say, it was on the BBC on a Sunday evening, I Mm. think, and. Mm -hmm. This was when the BBC. I mean, they still do do good kind of four or five part drama things like this, but this was kind of when they were at their peak. And I think probably because Robert Carlyle had obviously been in train spotting Mm -hmm. and. Hamish (laughs) Macbeth. Hamish Macbeth, of course. Yeah. And this came just after The Fool Monty Mm -hmm. and Face. Which he did with Damon Albarn yeah. and Ray Winston. Winston. Yeah. Um. But the, it was before Plunkett and McLean and The World Is Not Enough. But I remember being, you know, I have to watch this because it's Robert Carlyle. Mm-hmm. And I, I think probably because obviously it was set in Scotland and because of the the drug connotations, you know, uh, because of of train spotting, it was kind of peak viewing. But mm. this is so much different from Trainspotting, for example. Mm. But I remember really enjoying this when it first aired. And I, I'm the same as you. I, I don't think I'd watched it since. So watching it last week to for the review was the first time in a long time I'd watched it. And yeah same as you i i really enjoyed it i agree it's problematic in places um and there's a lot to discuss about it but yeah i mean it it was really good it it was great maybe slightly lagged in parts um but overall yeah i i I really enjoyed revisiting Mm -hmm. and and looking after jojo (laughs) yeah
1: um yeah it's uh so if you haven't seen Looking After Jojo, it's Robert Carlyle plays. I, mean, I think he's supposed to be a young guy in his twenties. Like right? Robert, Car- <laughs> Robert Carlyle was actually thirty six, uh, but I think he's when they went they made this. But I think he was supposed to be a kind of young guy. He's a he's a thief. He's been a thief since he was a little boy. We dis- we discover he works for his uncle Charlie, who is like the local pub landlord and also a sort of local sort of head baddie in the community. And he, through the course of the story, uh, Charlie introduces heroin to the community, um, and Robert Carlyle as Jojo become, starts to sell it for him basically, and And his friends, uh, Kevin McKidd is in there as well, and another uh, train spotting alumni playing Basil, which I think is a great name for a character, because Basil (laughs) Basil feels like an old sort of English kind of Victorian name, and you got Kevin McKidd playing this sort of Edinburgh sort of chancer um, and petty thief and criminal. (laughs) He was was Basil. It was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and then the the other the other lead uh, is Jenny McRindle, who sadly is no longer with us. Um, mm-hmm. Her star was rising um, quickly when this came out. I think she was expected to um, go on to great things, but just after this was released, um, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and it. Um, it pretty much almost sunk her acting career. She did a little bit more after um, looking after Jojo. She plays a nurse in Psychos um, but unfortunately she passed away in 2014 um, as a result of her illness and she's she's very good in this. Um, there's, a, there's a film of hers that I came across doing my research for this called Dream Baby that I think we'll have to try and doing the swally if we can find it mm. i watched this you can watch a couple of scenes from it on youtube and she's really good in it and she's nothing like how she is as lorraine unless at all you know she's quite mm. she's funny and warm and everything so
0: <clears throat> no i mean uh, she delivers a, a wonderful i mean if you let's talk about her now mm. before we uh, talk about anything else i mean it's such a, a sad loss as you say she died in 2014 um she's been on the swally before she's in an episode of the high life mm. um that we, we covered. And she's also in Your Cheating Heart, and she was in The Acid House as well yeah. with um, the Urban Welsh adaptation. She is absolutely fantastic in this, is Lorraine. And Lorraine's a, an odd character. Like, I guess it's quite problematic to talk about kind of things nowadays, but she's mental in hmm. the, the kind of the Scottish term. She She's unhinged, a little bit odd. Mm-hmm. And... You're not quite sure because she also, you know, she mentions in terms of her, um, that she just came out of a detention center and then she she grew up in care, but obviously she has a loving family with you know Ron Donaghy who is her father but is also conveniently jojo's prison officer when um and very conveniently was jojo's father's prison officer um, back in the day um so she grew up in a loving home but obviously she just likes to make up these kind of lies but she is a a marilyn monroe impersonator and, and that's her kind of dream to be this marilyn monroe well not specifically marilyn monroe well norma jean yeah um but but as she says marilyn monroe was a character Mm-hmm. Um, and Norma Jean just portrayed her. The best is when you look in the picture and you can't see me in there. Just her. I mean, I know that I'm not her. If I was her, I wouldn't exist. But she wasn't a real person either, not really. The point is, Norma Jean was just the first Marlon Monroe look-alike. She's amazing in this and even from the outset that the first time you see her when she's she's in um the crocodile club with carol yeah and they're having a drink and then the next time you see her the first time that jojo and basil meet her her and carol are kind of sitting on top of that bridge and you're like they've been out from the night before yeah, and they're just (laughs) sitting drinking a bottle of wine as they see jojo and basil and yeah it's brilliant she is yeah She's fantastic in this. Like, she really steals the show.
1: Yeah, she's good. She's... um, The thing, the only thing... I mean, it's not a reflection of her. Because she, as you say, she's very, very good as the character. But the, the character's... I don't know if it's just that we don't... They, her and Jojo seem to get really close really quickly. She can't She, she, she can't bear to leave him. You know, I think it's the first or second episode. She goes to London and she has a successful audition and she's all set to make all this money. But, yeah, she, but she stays in Edinburgh, you know what I mean, with him. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like, there's like multiple times... because You know, after, when, when Jojo starts to get more involved in selling heroin and get becomes more powerful in the community and stuff and, and he also becomes addicted to it as well it's you know it's some of the things that he does you like i don't understand why she doesn't just fuck off you know what i mean because like the the, 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 the sort of closeness and the in the love um that's supposed to be between them i don't think it's necessarily developed enough earlier on in the story to kind of warrant her inability just to walk away from him later on, you know? Well, she is about
0: to leave him at one point in, I think, episode three, when he gives her the money to mm-hmm. put into the bank and she's about to board the bus to London. She gets but arrested. then the cops come and, and yeah, arrest her. Mm-hmm. But at that point, she is about to... To go, yeah, leave him and take that money and fuck off. And it's such a shame. I kind of wish she had done.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and then later on, she does. She go, She goes back to her mum and dad. I think it's after they shoots the wee dog. And yeah, Delorean. Go, yeah, poor wee Delorean. Uh, he goes. She goes back to her mum and dad. And then when 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 he turns up, because like that scene, it feels like it doesn't feel like he's turning up looking for her. It feels like he's turning up to ask her dad some questions about Mm. sort of related to the death of his father and she just happens to appear um And because he's a bit sort of, he's a bit kind of jarred by what her um, dad tells him, she feels that she's got to go with him. You know what I mean? And it's just, I don't know, I just felt that whole strand of the story. I think because it feels like because they want to focus on the, the heroine and the mystery around what happened mm. to his dad and, you know, his, his you know, the sort of the, the sort of falling apart of the kind of close group of friends that they are in the beginning. We probably see them rob a tobacco warehouse together, and you know, I don't think they necess- I don't think they spend enough time um, on the whole the Rain and Jojo relationship. You know,
0: no, I would agree. Um, yeah, you're right. I think that there could have been more made of that because it is a little bit odd the way it's kind of played out. But as you say, they kind of focus more in terms of the the drugs and the the crime, and I think that's one thing they do quite well in terms of the the escalation of the crime. So, Mm -hmm. as you say, they start off, literally, they're robbing a a cigarette factory or warehouse, and that's what they're doing. And, of course, that's not under Charlie's terms. Charlie, they're kind of doing that rogue if, if you know makes sense but but then charlie is very much he runs his pub and then he's kind of just has this gang that kind of do robberies but then he gets involved in drugs yeah and you can kind of see that's the way in terms of the early 80s the way it would escalate in terms of right we're making money off of this but there's a lot more money to be made in selling smack and we've seen multiple films you know mm-hmm. i mean this is kind of a cross between Scottish Scarface and spawning, really, in yeah. a way. And you can see how the the money is made. Okay, well, drugs is the new thing. That's how we need to make the money. And that's how they get involved in it. And it's funny, I suppose, Charlie's the only one that adheres to Biggie Small's rule, never get high on your own supply. Yeah. Because the rest of them are all fucking yeah. off their face on heroin, but he's the one that's, that's not. And... Mm. I can see how it can escalate into right we need to start selling this and then everyone gets involved and I think that's how this um this show was so important in terms of it really shows the the impact on drugs in not just the individual because I, I think train spotting showed how drugs impact individuals this showed how it impacts, Commu- Basically, effectively, like the community, yeah, yeah, yeah. because the, the whole community and and how it just absolutely just disintegrates because of heroin.
1: Yeah, they're all yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the the whole sort of contention of it beginning with fa- someone stealing pharmaceutical heroin from a, <laughs> I think there's, I think there's a that's based on fact to some extent mm-hmm. because Irvin Welsh does. He does the same thing in the book Skag Boys*, which is his prequel to *Chain Spotting*. It came out around, like, about in 2013. In the in that book, if the the character Seeker is black, how he's making his brother-in-law steal pharmaceutical heroin so Seeker mm. can sell it in Edinburgh. So I th- I I think that whether it's maybe sort of urban legend that's been extrapolated or whether it is true, but certainly that the contention that that's how heroin was first introduced to Edinburgh um, mm. is quite a popular one.
0: Yeah, certainly. Because I mean, obviously, as we know back in the day, Edinburgh was the, the heroin capital of Scotland and it was like the HIV capital of Europe for yeah. a while. And that's one thing they, they do touch upon in the show in terms of the HIV and AIDS epidemic. But I, I did feel that that was kind of rushed in terms of it's literally on the news. Mm. And then in the next scene, everyone has it.
1: Yeah, there's a bit of that. I mean, there's there's a number of, like, they, you know, it's obviously, this is set in 1982 and 1983. And they're they seem compelled to... Want to remind you of that? It almost mm. almost hit you over the head with it. You know what I mean? There's like there's like at the end of every episode and the beginning of every episode, like inexplicably there's a there's the, there's the sequence of Christy and his mate playing on the waste ground on their bikes and jumping on the car and all that to like a, a jam song, and then. You have the you have you have Torvald Dean on the TV at the Winter Olympics in Sarajevo, in Sarajevo in one of the scenes. Jojo's lawyer drives a Golf GTI. There's the scene with uh, Fenton and Matt Costello in the club. They just before uh, Jojo runs in dressed as a rabbit and starts attacking them with razor blade. And Fenton, for no reason at all that I can make out other than just to remind us that this is the 1980s, starts talking about how all these young men and women in his club, they're in their early 20s, but they've got really good jobs, they've got flats, and they're upwardly mobile and all that, you know, this sort of thing. And uh, the other thing that they do, which they actually get wrong, is that they have live aid on. But Live Aid, this yeah. 1985, not yeah. like 1983. But they have, they have, they have the quo opening Live Aid when they, when they're all sitting around getting smacked. <laughs> so they, I don't, I don't know why they felt that they kept having to remind us that this is set in the 1980s. You know what I mean?
0: Well, as you say, it kind of rip, they smash you over the head with a brick in terms mm. of this because it the, the episode starts the first episode and it comes up on the screen clear as day 1982 great yeah. so we see Basil picking up various people in the van and then it cuts to Charlie's Pub and we're watching the, uh, the Galahad on fire the, right. the ship in the Falklands which is the one which Simon Weston was right. on. Yeah. We're watching that and then of course there, later on they reference about sinking the Belgrado. And yeah, yeah. As you say, hey, there's no need to beat us over the head. Yeah. As we say, the soundtrack to this is oh, that's, amazing oh, that's brilliant. because yeah. you know, it's full of the jam, Elvis Costello, as you mentioned, status quo, mm. um, Ultravox, uh, Fizz, Ultravox, mm. Slade. Oh, yeah. I mean, Slade play a pivotal part in yeah. terms of one of the scenes. I get it. Set in the 80s, you don't need to keep banging on about these certain points. But I I agree, maybe that was the way back then in terms of just having to keep hammering home. You you do realize this is the 80s, but every episode comes up with a year and... At the start, like eighty two or eighty
1: three, we know when it is. It's bizarre. I mean, they, you know, and they—they're all everyone's in sort of period costume and stuff. You know, they, especially when they when they get a bit of money and Basil's got the kind of gold chain under his shirt collar. He's got the mm. he's got the sort of slip on uh, shoes and the and the, the the sort of the kind of bags, the Oxford bags, trousers, and all that sort of stuff. You know, they we get it.
0: <laughs> but then, did they do it in a good way? Because it's not. Uh, the characters aren't necessarily a parody. Like there's no like skinheads or yeah. uh, punks, you know, roaming around like mm-hmm. you would see on like I don't know Grange Hill or East Enders back in the eighties. Yeah. Although, but then is that a caricature or is that actually what real life was like? Whereas I guess you have to think this is a housing scheme in Westerhales, mm. Edinburgh. So it's maybe there weren't people like that. And I did read that actually there was a people, the residents of Wester Hills complained in the newspapers when this was being filmed, saying that they were worried that this was going to paint them in a bad light. Right. Uh, because obviously a drug dealing housing scheme. So yeah, yeah, they were they were a bit worried about that. So I'm not sure.
1: So maybe, maybe what came of that? M- maybe that's why the producers felt they kept having to remind us it was in the 1980s. Then maybe like maybe they had to, they said to the residents like, oh, "We we know it's not like this anymore. You know what? We'll keep reminding people that it's in the 1980s." <laughs> so
0: the the main character, obviously Jojo, played yeah. by Robert Carlyle, and I mean we've covered a few things with with Robert Carlyle on The Swally before, but he's just fantastic. In this role, I mean, Robert Carr was fantastic in anything we yeah. watch him in, really.
1: Oh, he's great. And the thing is, this is like this is probably when he was at his uh, sort of most famous, really, because mm. you know, like he's He said Hamish Macbeth, which was a big success in the BBC, and it's a sort of Scottish like heartbeat. And the, then he's in train, he's, he's in Train Spot in 1996. Then he's in the Full Monty in 1997. And if you remember back, the Full Monty was fucking. Massive. Oh, it's I mean? huge. It was yeah. massive it was massive like there was it, it was sort of like when four weddings and a funeral came out in 1994 and reminded the whole mm. world that movies are still made in the uk yeah then that the you mentioned in 1997 as well he does face another leading role which i've I'm not, I'm not seen it for a long time but i remember quite enjoying face yeah it, then he's he's back with johnny lee miller again doing plunkett McLean, which was a, a big film he does ravenous with um Mike Off Neighbours. I know his name is Guy Pierce, but he'll always be Mike Off Neighbours to me. Um he gets his Bond villain role in nineteen ninety nine. He get he's in Angela's Ashes, which was a big film because the book had been really successful. But then it all sort of starts to kinda slow down a bit. Like he he does the fifty first state in two thousand and one with Samuel L. Jackson, which was a big film. But then after, but then after that it's kinda sporadic. You know what I mean? But as you say, this is his peak because it starts...
0: The, the whole opening of the show is Robert Carlyle in... Yeah, Looking after Jojo. Yeah. It doesn't come up with looking after Jojo starring Robert Carlyle. Mm-hmm. He is the main focus of this. Mm-hmm. And I, I seem to remember that at the time. It was very much like, this is a Robert Carlyle thing. This is big news. So yeah. as you say, this was his kind of peak. This was his pomp in, in terms of that's the way it was marketed. Like this yeah. is Robert Carlyle's thing.
1: So what do you think happens with his? I mean, it's it's not like he's not been doing stuff because he, you know, he's been he's worked he works constantly and every now and again he'll pop up in a lead. We 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 did we did, Bar- we did Barney Thompson I think last year he that was he was a lead in that film. Did he's done quite a lot of TV as well. Some stuff probably recognise. some stuff maybe not so much. They like can American. Um, he's got a TV show in Sky at the moment called Cobra, what, that he plays the lead in. But in terms of like movies. Um, Barney Thompson, he directed as well as starred in um, he's the lead in 28 Days Later but he's only uh, 28 weeks later rather, but only for about half of the film and then they kill him off, sorry if you've not seen it <laughs> Yeah, but
0: then, would you not be the same, like in terms of, if you're earning enough money and you've got that thing you're not really going to want to do the big things, that you have to have massive starring roles, have to go all the premieres, have to do all the press junkets, you're Maybe. going to do kind of just enough to Keep yourself going. Yeah. You've made your money. You're still wanting to keep in the public eye, but you're just wanting to do just enough. To just keep that boat afloat. You know, have an occasional holiday and, you know, have oh, yeah. enough money, but not have to have all the hassle. I think well, that's
1: what I would do. I'm not sure, but... well. Possibly, but some of the things that he has done, particularly in America, it's, I mean, he, he did like 40 episodes of Stargate Universe, I mean, when you compare that to his, the stuff that he did on TV and film early in his career, you know, he's working with guys um like, um, what do you call it, Ken Loach? You know, people like that. He's doing sort of quite serious. He's working with Danny Boyle, he's doing quite progressive drama, um, social stuff. And the early on in his career, like there's one where he plays I can't remember what it's called, but I remember watching it on the TV and he plays um a guy who I think he's di- he, he starts a relationship with this woman, but then he ends up being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis or something like that. I can't remember what's called. But they you know, like to do like hundred and forty episodes of Once Upon a Time where he plays Rumpel um I just thought I mean, I'm not look. I'm, I've no idea, and I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to roast them here, but I'm just surprised that, that that's the sort of that more populist stuff that he's sort of turned to that he continues to do when you compare it to the sort of more edgy stuff that he did early on, you know?
0: So, the character of Jojo, are we meant to like him? Are we not meant to like him? I mean, I thought he was okay until he fucking killed DeLorean, and then I I didn't fucking care what happened to him after that. But he starts off quite charming, and then is it very much a case of, you know, the drugs took over and that made him an arsehole because in the beginning he seems like an okay guy he's play having a laugh, he's playing you know, headers you know, mm-hmm. with his nephew and stuff delivers a great line when he first gets nicked and he's speaking to Gilly Gilchrist and um, they're speaking about um, how his dad used to shite himself in the cell and he says, uh, I, I know that smell
1: Sarah reminds me of your ma she never took any snatch for Jackie, did she? He'd come home pissed, scared a scalp. She'd scalp him right back. How long is he dead now?
0: He's always shaking himself. Cider. So this a cell, special. Just for him.
1: Because of the smell, you know?
0: Oh, aye. I ken that smell. Caught it a while ago, didn't Safeways.
1: Aye?
0: I ran into your fucking bird. He's quite a humorous character, but then he does change. Very dark. Are are we meant to like Jojo or not?
1: Um, I think I, I think we're supposed to start off sort of on his side, you know what I mean? Because he's he's a thief, but he's not really he's not hurting anybody that it's gonna resonate with the audience, you know, like he, he rips like him and his pals rip off the fags from the tobacco warehouse. You know he rips off a jeweler's shop, but we never see the jeweler. Um, You know we don't know what kind of person we we don't know what kind of person he is. It's just a shop. And then you know when he the last sort of two episodes when he is in a position of power and he's uh, he's making all this money. He's addicted to heroin. He's you know he he's very dismissive of his of his friends after that. You know he they call and his neighbors as well. He's like, well they're just bams, Why should I care? You know like what's her name is it christine played by uh, mandy um what's her name mandy matthews carol sorry not christine carol um played by by mandy matthews who is like she's Lorraine's friend, she's there right at the beginning when they start selling heroin she's she to know that a lot they're running about picking it up and stuff like that, and uh he's just very dismissive of her, you know what I mean uh, yeah. toward the end it's everyone's a bam, he's just out for himself, uh, you know he still cares for his family, but um he's not bothered about who gets hurt or you know it's their own stupid fault if they want to get addicted to heroin he's not bothered so by the end of it, you know he's not very likable at all. I wonder if the the
0: audience barometer is kind of the, the character of Claire Galloway, who mm. is his solicitor. Because yeah. let's say in the beginning, she's kind of almost taken with Jojo and kind of yeah. in awe of him. And she kind of almost kind of revels in being his solicitor and yeah. getting him off of these crazy schemes. And, oh, Jojo, what have you done now? We'll help you out in this. Mm-hmm. But then when he fits up Malky, for the murder at the end she's absolutely disgusted and horrified by him and you know has a a drunken speech in the street to him Mm -hmm. and you're almost like okay so is that meant to be our audience barometer is claire galloway how we are meant to feel about jojo that oh he's just a cheeky scamp and does this and oh he's selling a bit of heroin but never mind yeah but once he fits up malky and as he says you know malky's calendar material so what's the difference but then that's the that's crossing the line, and it's too much for the audience and for Claire.
1: Yeah, I mean that that whole last episode. It's uh, it it does take that turn. It's you know it's I th- I think he sort of crosses the line when the extent of his addiction is sort of underpinned by how he shoots the poor wee dog for barking. And, you know, he's, he's so wired, he can't find the last wee bit of smack that he knew he had around the house. He's like, you know, he's raking through the records and the CDs and everything, knocking everything over. And, you know, I think that sort of... That kind of marks his decline, really, I think, uh, in terms of how we're supposed to feel about him as a as a main character, mm. you know, because after that it's just they they have these wee mo- there's these wee moments be- between him and the rain when he sort of becomes quite self aware of what his addiction is doing to him. He, you know he can't think straight. He's obsessed with what happened to his father. You know, he's sure that, you know, he's 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 starting to think that his Uncle Charlie has something to do with it. um, And plus all the other sort of pressures of trying to run a, a sort of burgeoning drug business, you know, and and maintain a, a serious drug habit.
0: And I think that shows at the beginning he's, he's hesitant about drugs because when they knock off the cigarette factory and he goes to Davy's Club, uh, the Crocodile Club, to sell him the cigarettes and Davey does say to him Are you wanting some hash, black hash speed, smack and was like, just cash, that's mm-hmm. all he wants, cash, not interested in drugs but then obviously he goes to prison for a bit and comes out and sees how Big Danny has been, yeah. you know, he's raking in money, he pulls up in his red BMW, now if you've got the money to buy you know your gold necklace and stuff and buy a red bmw would you not get out of that fucking housing scheme (laughs) yeah for sure first you know you're not gonna want to be doing that um but that's what makes him jealous and i think obviously that's what leads him to you know selling drugs once danny gets busted Mm -hmm. um but i do wonder as you say like his relationship with his dad um because very much fitting in the first episode you know we see flashbacks where he's his dad's kind of talking to him but even early on when he's in the van going to that cigarette factory and when he it's kind of cuts off the lock and he's doing the chain he sees his dad and he's like you know I'm proud of you son and it, it, it's a feeling of pride that his dad is going to be proud of him and it's I say, we see a flashback where he is he's been knocking off stuff when he's a kid and his dad's mm. so proud of him he just kind of wants his dad to be proud yeah. and even I think in episode 4 when he comes down the stairs and uh, I think his mum and uh, Lorraine are, are there and, and say and his sister as well. And I say you look just like your dad. And mm. I just wonder if that's the, the road he was going down to try and get his father's acceptance even though his father had long gone.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um the, the thing is it's it's really weird the first time he has that vision of his dad. Because his dad's mm. just like uh riding his just like riding a, a racer racer pushbike alongside of the roads. I all I mean to be honest, I could I could have done without all the stuff with his dad. I'm not sure. Yeah. Why we needed everything, you know, like if 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 they wanted to build like a a dispute between him and Charlie, the whole sort of kind of race to the top of the sort of criminal tree would be enough. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Um, I think this this story about his dad's and his mum and you know his dad being like a an alcoholic and a thief and whatnot and like Jojo's he's really he's really proud of being a thief. You know,
0: you kind of perfectly segued us there onto charlie played by ewan stewart what a fucking great character yeah charlie is he's he's brilliant like he's just got enough menace but he's a he's a friendly guy but you just know he you don't fucking cross him and Mm. he's obviously got the police in his pocket as well and he's got his little police scanner radio local pub landlord but he's a he's a brilliant character Charlie and a fetching line in lovely eighties jumpers as well. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, you're has been in a few things that I think that we've covered. He was in uh, Down Amongst the Big Boys, um, mm. maybe one or two other ones as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's the first thing that I'd seen him in where he is more than just a kind of supporting character. Yeah. you know what I mean um, yeah. and he's absolutely fantastic in it he really I, you know he, he gets right into the whole Edinburgh accent you're bot bot like that the, the whole chat with um, him and Christine and Billy about uh, cling film <laughs> you know what I mean have you ever have, have you heard a cling film Billy you know what I mean like I, I looked it up cling film was invented in 1933 it wasn't like a recent <laughs> I'm sure Billy will have heard a cling film before that's just Ch- change the world, cling film. Well, the criminal world anyway. <laughs> Do they search you? Sometimes. Random. You then not again, win. Look through your pockets.
0: Bottle it. Bottle it. I don't want to be rude, but we're talking about where the sun don't shine. Up my arse. Excuse me, French. Sounds vulgar, but... A kidney. Up there, it's in the bank. How do you get Puff in the jail?
1: All you need is a wee bit cling film. You can cling film. It's called Stretch and Seal. That and a bit Nivea. Nivea. For your bot bot.
0: I can't with sovereign rings, gold chains, even a Rolex all bottled up. Cling film's changed the world. Yeah, he has my favourite line in the whole series and it's the delivery of it. It's when Big Danny has died. And yeah. there's a whole kind of stramash and, you know, Big Danny's wife's there and Jojo comes in and Charlie comes there. And it's just the delivery where he goes, it's Big Danny. He's mm. dead. No. <laughs>
1: he's funny, but, you know, he's funny with the, as well, that conversation with Billy, you know, in, about Nivea. He's like, <laughs> N- Nivea, for <from> your bot bot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but he's so uh, he comes across like quite you know charming but also menacing as fuck as well like when he goes to Billy's house and he's you know, sitting with his mum th- that's when they're watching Torval and actually yeah, do yeah. The Bolero and it, you do get the impression that he will absolutely fuck you up but he mm. also does again probably my second favourite part of the second favorite line but one of my favorite parts is uh, towards the end and spoiler alert obviously everyone um when jojo confronts him and pulls the gun on him and that that little bit when he says i'm fear of the gun jojo Uh, and uh, jojo says hi so am i and he shoots him it's just that it's it's is that meant to be funny (laughs) because i was in stitches
1: (laughs) 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 I don't think it's meant to be funny like the 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 way he speaks to the policeman as well played by Alexander Norton when they talk when when he's asking about drugs and he's like oh it's just bearings it's disgusting. I think it's disgusting. <laughs> you know, like he's you know, like acting like he's not the architect of all this misery.
0: <laughs> no, but he is just absolutely fantastic. And of course, aided. I mean, the reason he gets into drugs is because of his lovely girlfriend, uh, Christine, played mm. by Aileen Mowat. Now, it's funny, Aileen Mowat, as soon as I see her, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's her. Yeah, she's been in everything and then when you look her up on IMDB she hasn't been in everything she's hardly been in anything and I'm like where do I know her from and the only thing I can think of is and I know I've mentioned this so many times on the Swally before and I am going to pick it one day i'm i definitely am <laughs> she was in um bad boys <laughs> with <laughs> freddie bordley <laughs> you're gonna say that <laughs> and alex norton and uh, carl howman yeah um it's on youtube the quality isn't the best but I'm, I'm definitely gonna have to pick that soon because i did end up watching a bit of an episode yesterday <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking it's so bad it's so good um but yeah she seems like, she's just got that face. I'm like, I know her from everything, but she's hardly been in anything. And she is brilliant as Christine in this.
1: I think that she was in, a, and don't ask me what for, but like an a advert campaign for... Ah, a long that to, could be in. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, couldn't tell you what it was advertising, but I'm pretty sure that she was in... Quite a long that running campaign rings a bell,
0: actually. It might have been, yeah, mm. something I don't know, but um, obviously, something Scottish, but yeah, that yeah. does ring a bell, maybe because mm. she's so familiar,
1: yeah. She's really good in this, actually, really, really good. Mm. Um, because she's she's sort of you know, like she's glamorous, I mean, she's a very, very attractive, woman, and um, mm. but she's not sort of she's not like kind of gangsters. Mall, so it did say she knows the how to navigate this world very well. You know what I mean? Like she, then she advises Charlie on. But you know, they, we we ascertain that she spent time in London, probably mm. around like around the underworld in London as well. She knows how to navigate mm. this drugs business and yeah, what to what to do with it. You know, she she explains how much money you can make by by cutting it with glucose. You know, then turning you know sort of like kilos into two or three kilos.
0: Yeah, I mean it's her idea effectively. Mm. I mean it, it's Billy that mentions it to her in the bar, and she does say that she you know used to be the i can't remember the exact words but she was a the speed queen effectively when she was in london and she's the one that kind of gets the the idea and then it's her that is saying to charlie about the whole speech and that's near the end of episode one you know you take this one kilo and you turn it into three kilos, suddenly you've paid Billy a thousand pounds and you've made 300 grand off of this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she's really good. Although she's in one scene that where a character does something that I fucking could not look at. But when she is injecting herself between her toes... Oh, yeah. Ugh, just, you know, I mean, I've, I... have I'm not particularly squeamish, but for some reason, I don't like watching a needle go in. Like, I'm not scared of needles. If I've got to get blood taken or get an injection, it's fine. But I won't look at my arm as the doctor Mm. is putting the needle in. Because I don't know why. It just fucking, it just makes my fucking scrotum tighten. I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, because I wondered if that was a, initially, I thought, because
0: we only see her smoking it Mm -hmm. um, up until that point. And yeah. then when she was injecting that, I was like, "Her arm's so fucked that she can't." And I was like, "Oh no, it's so Charlie doesn't see." Yeah, it.
1: yeah, yeah. The, yeah.
0: So that's why she's doing it. too, it's quite clever. But I don't even know. I, I don't even want to check. Is there a vein there? Like, I I mean, I know. I think I'm, they do that in train spotting, do they? Or is it the book? The um, yeah, they do it Just in the book. Inject it in his toes. There's not one point he injects it in his cock or something. There's a, that. Was the well, only vein he could find.
1: funnily enough, last night when I came back from Kuwait, I came back from Kuwait yesterday, <laughs> and my yeah, and the first thing I did was inject smack in my cock. Um, no, and when I came back, my wife and I went out for a drink. When we came back, she went off to bed. My daughter was up. And I fancied having another drink. So she said, can we watch something? And I said, sure. And I said, what do you want to watch? Now, the other week, we're watching this documentary on Net- on uh, Apple TV, which is all about 1971. And there's a bit in it where they talk about the American soldiers in Vietnam getting addicted to heroin. And she'd asked me, what does, you know, what is it about heroin? What, what does it do? And I said, I said, well, maybe I'll let you watch Trainspot in it. The- some point because it can explain it Ooh. better than i can so i was i had a few beers with me last night when i came in so when she said what about watching train spot and i was like yeah it's a great idea so <laughs> so we watched it and she she had she asked me to fast forward through the whole archie Gemmel scene but no she didn't want to watch okay. doesn't want to see uh,
0: understandable yeah. yeah she's
1: only 14 you yeah. know she doesn't want to see yeah. all that shit but she uh but um yeah she uh, but there were the there was a scene where Alison is um, injecting Swanee and he's caught this, mm. uh, that quick scene there and I saw her sort of pick her pick her phone up and look at her phone at that point. Um, but yeah, but she uh she liked but she she liked it. But I, I said to her at the end I said um, so you're not going to take heroin and she said well I wasn't going to take it anyway. <laughs> I said but now you're definitely not going to take it right. And she just sort of rolled her eyes at me.
0: Well, speaking of train spotting, Kevin McKidd. As Basil, fucking hell! What a character! <laughs> yeah. He's fucking brilliant in this,
1: isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's really good. He's so funny as well. You know, just his 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 enthusiasm for everything, and he, and even when he's uh, jaundiced, <laughs> you know what I mean? Still, still like maintaining a fairly positive outlook and things. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's just. Passing it off
0: as he's uh, stood in the doorway. Ah, oh, it's just jaundice. It's fine. It's, uh,
1: yeah, he's
0: he's absolutely brilliant. I mean, the only time you see him kind of crack is near the end when, obviously, he's arrested and he's in prison yeah. full, of, full of the HIV. But throughout the whole thing, he is just tip-top, just on top form. He's just absolutely
1: brilliant Well see that's what I That was one thing About this That I didn't I couldn't really quite Get my head around Because they sort of Wrap it up Quite quickly And Mm. obviously Jojo's sister uh, Claire Is it Is it Claire um... Trisha Trisha, sorry, she sees Basil and oversees, overhears them talking to the police. But it doesn't really, we don't really find out why Basil has decided to grass, do we?
0: Yeah, you do hear, the conversation you overhear, he's saying to the police, you'll look after me. Hmm. And so he's effectively trying to get a, a plea bargain. And they do say to him, yeah, yeah, we will. Right. And then, of course, the next thing is, the rest of them are all inside. Now, there is not a fucking chance they would all be in the same cell block. <laughs> Although maybe, I don't know, in the 80s, maybe um, in Saltland, maybe they'll be there with uh, our hero from earlier. What <laughs> was his name? I can't remember. Nicholas um, Rossi. Nicholas Rossi. they Nicholas Rossi, oh, yeah. we'd be singing along with him. Um, <laughs> there's no way they'd all be in the same cell block, but I think that's the implication that he's grasped them in, but then the mm. police have kind of fucked him over. Yeah. And as you see, he's lost all his hair. So he's calendar material. He's, mm. you know, he's dying of, of HIV and, or AIDS, sorry. Um, and I think that is the the implication. However, you've kind of touched upon a good point. As I mentioned earlier, the, all of a sudden AIDS is on the TV and then all mm. of a sudden everyone in the fucking scheme has it. Yeah. Now, towards the end, when Lorraine comes in and speaks to Jojo, Jojo says, I'm calendar material. So, are we inferring that that Jojo has HIV?
1: Well, that's it. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't decide whether we're supposed to think that yeah, he does have HIV now, or mm. whether he just expects to. You know, he's he's sort of come to terms with how how bad his habit is that he mm. that he must he must have it as well. You know, yeah. And he's just he's just assuming that he's you know that he's that he's contracted this virus.
0: Yeah, I just wasn't sure if it was a bit unclear. I mean, obviously he's in prison, and we don't know how long. He got, but I presume... 14 years yeah. Yeah, because that seemed to be the standard, wasn't it? Because that was what um, Big Danny's wife got. Yeah. That's what Billy was looking at. What happened to Billy, by the way? Billy got arrested. He was in the police interview. They said to him, you're looking at 14 years. He grasses in Charlie... And then yeah. we never see him again. What happened to Billy?
1: Well, maybe Billy, maybe Billy, got away with it. Maybe he's in the he's in the witness protection program. <laughs> I hope so. I'd
0: uh, like I'd like to think that. Yeah. So yeah, we'll presume Jojo got fourteen years. So I guess he is probably calendar material there.
1: I mean, I mean that the scene when Billy cracks in the mm. police station. I mean, the actor who's also called Billy, by the way, um, is that <laughs> uh, he's decided that that's his moment, I think, and he's going to fucking go for it. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think you uh, you touched
0: upon earlier the cop Alexander Morton, but of mm. course um, he plays DC Wright, and his the other cop DC Monk is Gilly Gilchrist, yeah, and slow mouth. he's fucking brilliant in this, and uh, one of his earlier roles, but uh-huh. he's so good, and I think it, it's quite believable in terms of obviously he gets kind of rumbled when he's getting a BJ off a of carol. yeah, when uh, so he's not the the quite straight-laced cop were were led to believe. But he's he's great in this, like really convincing and uh, plays it well.
1: He is good. The thing is, though, I mean, that's another sort of kind of plot point. I mean, I I wonder if maybe this would have benefited from being maybe like a six-parter instead of a four-parter because Mm. that's another sort of plot strand that doesn't really get... uh, they don't really build on, you know, like so Jojo has got something over this policeman. Yeah. But yeah, you know, he still gets arrested. You know, they but I mean, nothing happens as a result of this uh sort of leverage that that uh, Jojo's got, these photographs of him, you know. You know, I think it would have been good to see what happens to that character in the you know, mm. in the context of the programme. Yeah, I think you're right.
0: Yeah. I never thought about that, but you're, mm. you're spot on, actually. It is kind of glossed over. They have mm. these photographs of him, and then
1: yeah,
0: it's effectively like they have a cop in their pocket, but still yeah. gets fucked over anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe his marriage deteriorated. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Again, it kind of shows the, the impact of drugs, because that was one scene that I did find quite unsettling towards the end. And was it necessary, maybe it was, to show Jojo's nephew, Christy? Mm. Um, effectively off his face on smack and again at the very end everyone's in jail and he passes the cops and says what the fuck are you looking at Mm -hmm. so that's torch. effectively us meant to believe yeah exactly so Jojo's dad effectively handed the torch to Jojo in terms of petty theft now Jojo's turning over the torch to Christy and sad state of affairs and kind of demise if, if mm. that's gonna be his future.
1: I think that scene was important because it sort of gives Trisha, who has grown up in this family where, you know, we we don't talk to the police, regardless of what any any of us do, we always support each other, Etc You know, like when when she sees Basil speaking to the police, it sorta of gets her off the hook because at that point she is deliberating mm-hmm. whether she needs to go and, and sort of grass on her brother. And uh, you know I think She needed like a good reason to do that More than, it had to be more than just Being sort of ostracised in the community When our, when a, suddenly her own son Is a, is essentially a victim Of her brother's business Then it, she has to do something You know what I mean, because she because as much as she loves her brother she, lo- she doesn't love her brother as much as she loves her son You know? Yeah,
0: I mean you can tell She's had enough when she delivers that speech about The, you know, what was it, you wanted your house Then you've got it, now yeah. Take it and fuck off.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, the, you know, it's a proper, it's a proper mum doing she gives Christy. You know what I mean? In her, <laughs> in, in her frustration. He's, ah, yeah, ah, yeah. You know what I mean? That like she fucking, like, she sort of like batters him, but without really, but not in the sort of traditional sense of getting battered, but they get a sort of mum battering, which means getting slapped a lot and, <laughs> and, chased around the living room you know i love that a
0: proper mum doing
1: <laughs> yeah uh,
0: and speaking of mums of course we have ellie haddington as jojo's mum May. yeah 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 she's and good. she's popped up quite a lot on this wally mm. um recently but yeah she's brilliant as well
1: yeah she's really good you know like she's like the scenes that she's in she you know i think as she's a sort of veteran like the sort of veteran actress in those scenes and, you know, she sort of takes it to a, a whole different level. The, 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 the scene where she, when she discovers... Just after Jojo's shot Charlie. And then the scenes afterward, when she's in the pub and she's talking to the police and she's sort of sipping mm. a glass of wine and everything, she's absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's got a, a brandy mm. there to keep her keep her going. Yeah, yeah to settle her nerves. But yeah, there's a there's a few great scenes that she has. You know, even at the beginning when she's drunk and it's her birthday and yeah. she's kinda cracking onto Charlie. But then even later on, the way the way she is with Jojo, and you, you can tell she's a, a good woman because she's wanting to take in Big Danny's kids yeah, you know when they're staring at jail, and she's fighting for them, and I think she does in the end. She gets kind of them, yeah. feel the, the police come, and she says, "No, there, there's enough people here to look after them." So she is, um, she's looking after them. So she is a you know, a woman that kind of cares. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, and she's
1: she she she's been in everything. <laughs> Ellie Harrington, yeah. like from like from like Tiger to Doctor Who and the Fantastic Beasts movies. She's in the I know the Homes the new Netflix. Um, movies with Henry Cavill and uh, a living out of Stranger Things in them and stuff. I mean, she's she's in like to in tons and tons of stuff over the years. She's popped up everywhere. Um, so do you want? Should we put um, should we put Jojo through our Swally Awards? Do you get any other things?
0: We can do. Yeah. Um, before we do, I wanted to ask you one question. So, okay. If you can only pick one, mm-hmm. what would you pick? So you can have the acclaimed. TV series, right. Looking After Jojo. Okay. Or you can have the 1988 song by the Scottish brothers Hugh and Cry, Looking for Linda. <laughs> or you can have the popular 70s, 80s and 90s magazine Lookin'. So Looking After Jojo, Looking for Linda or Lookin'. What are you picking? You can only pick one. I think I'm
1: picking Lookin', I think. Ah, good <laughs> so, choice. Yeah. Just such a such a massive part of my childhood. It was like the first, the the first magazine that even before like the Beano and all that that I uh, that I would get every week. My dad used to used to get the newsagent to keep it for me every week.
0: <laughs> I I went into a, a Wikipedia kind of uh, black hole the other day when I was looking at looking and uh, they have a list of all of the comic strips they used to have. It's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, the ones they had like a Bay City Rollers comic yeah, strip yeah. And stuff. It's the Bobby Robson story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Okay, good to know you picked Looking, I, I think I'd probably pick the same. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, let's put looking after Jojo through our Swally Awards then. Okay, so the first award, what have we got?
1: First award uh, is the Bobby the Barbins Award for the Best Pub. So there's only really two in yeah. there.
0: So Charlie's Bar or mm-hmm. the Crocodile Club. And we didn't even mention Matt Costello. Yes, you know, kind of (laughs) in the Crocodile Club. Jesus pops up and everything. Um, I'd I'd like to go for a drink in Charlie's pub. It Mm -hmm. looks all right, Um, especially if Christy's serving behind the bar. Yeah, Um, bit glamour. I um, could sit with Billy and have a, a little nip. Yeah, Crocodile Club.
1: Uh, yeah, a,
0: I probably would, actually. Yeah. I don't know. It, yeah, as long as there's no bunny rabbits in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, <I> probably would. <laughs> yeah. Razor-wielding bunny rabbits. Yeah, no, I could see myself uh, spending whithing away a couple of hours at the bar having a blether with Christine... And uh, you know, being quiet when Charlie came in, only speaking if he spoke to me first, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um of But equally, I can imagine having a bit of a a bit of a bop to the fizz in the Crocodile Club as well. You know. Yeah. A few remember yeah, Definitely. A few rumming blacks down me. Um. Yeah. Okay. So this next, the next award is a, is a difficult one, I think, to pick from. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting on two here. It'd be interesting to see on your choices. But the James Cosmo Award for being in everything Scottish.
0: I've got two as well. So, my two are Matt Costello yep. and Gilly Gilchrist.
1: Right. So, I had Ewan Stewart and Dave Mackay. Okay. Oh, um, of course. Yeah. Dave Mackay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Malky. Um, <sighs> yeah. I think Costello probably wins it because he he's, he's just fucking in everything. It's ridiculous are you going to mention that he was in Wonder Woman 84 again <laughs> yeah I tell you he was in Wonder Woman 84 yeah he just you know and the the funny thing about Matt Costello I mean I the thing that the first thing I think I ever saw him in ironically was the Taggart, uh series when somebody is killing people using rat poison and James Cosmo was in it he's a guy spoiler we need to cover this on the swally yeah yeah I know I know this is uh, this is going to blow you away right so james cosmo is in it and he has a he has a, a little business as a pest exterminator and the guy that works for him is fucking matt castable <laughs> so um but you know they like it's you know he's quite a obviously it's taggart and it's it's a drama but he's he's and then he's obviously he plays the bookie and still game but then yeah. he, but then equally between that he'll pop up with like a, a fucking one-minute-on-screen part in Gov and Ghost* story, you know yeah. what I mean, or something like that. So I think maybe it's just the law of an actor, unless you're incredibly successful.
0: I think this uh, this appearance in this puts him in our top five. In the mm. Swally Tally
1: Right Well there you go Okay So uh, the next award Is the Jake McQuillan Your Tea zoot Award What did you pick for this one? A few choices there
0: It's There's a few choices Yeah there's quite a few um, I went with the The rabbit suit Of course The yeah. slashing Yeah
1: It's a good one What about yourself? I went so so I went for the scene when um, in the first episode when the the guys get arrested and Sarah um <laughs> fucking twats Gilly Gilchrist when they're dragging <laughs> Danny out and ends up getting arrested herself. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, okay, next then there's the Hugh McGregor Award for Gratuitous Nudity. And this any, is there?
0: I was actually quite surprised. That there yeah. was no nudity in this. I mean, does that make me you know, but we're looking at something that's mid to late nineties mm. on the BBC on a Sunday night, there's no nudity. I was I was actually really shocked there was nothing. I mean, the worst we get is um Jojo in the bath.
1: Yeah, and even then it's just like sort of bare shoulders. There's a yeah. scene there's a scene when uh, JoJo and the Rain are in bed and mm. You know, there's a bit of sort of naked shoulder action there, but that's yeah. that's it really. Okay. Um, again, lots to choose from here. The Francis Begbie Award for Gratuitous Swearing.
0: What did you go for?
1: I I went for the tirade that May comes out with after she discovers that Jojo has shot Charlie, and she's like she's like pulling his hair and slapping him around and all that and he has to he ends up having to like sort of punch her one to to sort of calm her down as you go for <laughs>
0: um, it. initially i went with may as well but from the first episode it's when she comes out and she sees the seagulls on the balcony and she chases them off and calls them shite hawks <laughs> yeah which um i quite liked But um, I actually gave it to, I don't know if it's best use of swearing, but it's kind of the most comical, is just after Jojo has shot Charlie and Charlie's first words are, you stupid fucking bam. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, I like it's,
1: that. That's a lot of good ones.
0: Archetypal Scottish moment. I kinda I struggled like with this in terms of what to, to pick. I mean, the first option is smack in Edinburgh in the eighties <laughs> yeah. is kind yeah. of,
1: you know, or HIV.
0: That was genuinely what I kinda picked, apart from Geeza
1: bit of Jimmy Boyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um I I picked not speaking to the police. <laughs> Fair enough. Which is ironic considering that in the the new year the Chris episode of the swally I told about how we spoke to the police. Um when we finished off the Shang-A-Lang tale. Um yeah. and then finally, um the Sean Connery Awards, who do you think wins looking after JoJo?
0: Um I think it, it kinda has to be Robert Carlyle. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't pick him. I, I don't know. Ewan you and Stuart, I think. Yeah, it's great, and yeah, I was kind of torn between the two. In fact, yeah, you and Stewart. I mean, he's
1: brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as a character and performance goes, I think Robert Carlyle's been a lot better in other things. Yeah. i th- I think he's been stretched a lot more as an actor and a lot of other things as well than he is in this. I'm not saying that he's not good in this, but I think Ewan Stewart's fucking brilliant in it. He's so good. He's so, so good. So, well done, Ewan. Right. Well, that was Looking After Jojo. If you want to watch Looking After Jojo and you've got over three hours, you can find it on YouTube. It's all there in its entirety. Well worth a watch. Even though we've probably ruined it, but we've probably ruined it for you now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) definitely. I'll put a link in the podcast description for everyone.
1: Anyway, it was my choice to kick off the year, Nicky. So what are we going to be watching for the next episode of The Swally? Well, it's a new year,
0: Greg. So I have decided that I'm going to pick, obviously, my choices as well. But over the course of the last couple of years, we have had quite a few, not so much requests, but... Recommendations from listeners, and they've asked, oh, "You should review this, or you should look at this." So I know we've had a few from. We were on um, the the wonderful Scots he Podcast with Ali uh, last month, and he gave us some good recommendations, Um, and they are on our list. Ali, we will do them in the near future, and I know that uh, Andy from Finland also gave us some recommendations. And Andy, I promise you, we will get to some of them very soon. But first, it wasn't so much a recommendation, but it was from everyone's favorite Canadian baker, Strong Henry, and I think it was an Instagram comment he mentioned on a few months ago. Have you ever done this? And we have. So I'd like to rectify that. So this is for you, Strong Henry. I'd like to look at the first series. And it's only the first series, because it's only two episodes of the BBC television series Shetland. Ah. Okay, I've never ever watched it. Neither have I. I've never seen a single episode. So okay. Douglas Henschel. So um, we will watch the first series, which is only two episodes, and then th- the other series are six episodes each. So we'll need to, we need to build up to that. But I think the first one was done as like a one-off, two-part. Right. Um, so yeah, we're going to do well, Shetland.
1: So I don't know if that was by design but or not, but Shetland's first series was written by Frank Deasy, who is the writer of Looking After Jojo. Oh, wow. So there oh, you go. Yeah. Look
0: at that. It was not by design at all. <laughs> Look at <laughs> that. Fantastic. Yeah. So there we go. We're gonna take a trip to Shetland in a couple of weeks, Greg. I hope you're looking forward to it. I certainly am. Never been Good. there. Neither <laughs> we <you> go. <laughs> We're gonna go there though. Okay. Uh, Right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us with anything that you've seen, you'd like us to review or anything in the news you'd like us to cover, then please get in touch with us and email us on cultureswally at gmail.com. Or follow us on the socials. You can follow us on Instagram at cultureswallypod or you can follow us on Twitter at swallypod. Hi, Greg,
1: we have a wonderful website, don't we? We do, um, and it's my New Year's resolution to put something new once a month on the website. So this month, I've done something that I probably should have done in October, <laughs> Halloween, <laughs> and uh, I've written... A little essay slash article All about Scottish horror So appreciate it if you came over and had a look At that, let us know what you think uh, You can also uh, contact us directly From the website, there's links to our Email and also Instagram and Twitter, come and have a look Cultureswally.com Fantastic,
0: alright, well wonderful Thank you very much Greg uh, I'm off to go and get my Bay City Rollers album and my platform Boots on, <laughs> it's just a fad though Isn't it?
1: Yeah, I'm a to to bottle it up from my flight to Saudi tomorrow morning <laughs> good luck with that I hope you've got
0: plenty of cling film ok <laughs> right. till next time till next time I'm that fucking paranoid I'm paranoid do you know what I mean I'm paranoid about my paranoia 24 years of fucking day I'm on I'm alert the slaves are incredible eh? I mean they're really date like but oh, I walked into a ready made family Jojo I had responsibilities you can can I go back to jail Jojo I suffer for claustrophobia. Told her! There's no fucking powder on the coffee table. Jojo, that's Sarah. That's a liberty. Leaving the stuff on the table like that. No, oh, you get chances in life, Jojo. Charlie's giving me mine. I'm well fucking quoted round here, like. I've got two dogs in a machete.
1: I tell you, I'll never root them.